Welcome to The Willing Fool, episode one. We're going to talk about liminal space. It might be a place that you find yourself. And the surprising person I've trusted most in this life. Let's go. Testing, testing, one, two, three. This is my voice under the blanket. How does it sound now? Welcome to The Willing Fool, episode one. I'm your host and lead fool, Paul Trimble. So glad you decided to click play and listen to the podcast. This is episode one. Like I said, we're beginning a brand new podcast. You may be wondering what this podcast is about and who it's for. Well, I designed this podcast because there was things that I wanted to talk about. Deep questions about life, the meaning of life. What should I be focused on? What should I not even be worried about and let fall out of view? What should I aim at? And yet I didn't always know who to go to to talk with about those things. You might think, well, can't you just go to the nearest friend, neighbor, family member, whoever? And you might think so, but I think a lot of times when we do have these questions, we're hesitant to go to anybody in particular because these touch on, these questions touch on deep places in our soul. And we want to be honored in that journey. We sense that there's something sacred about those questions about the search for wisdom and truth along the lines of those questions. And yet it can be very intimidating to really wrestle in real life, real language with our real selves, with even close friends, with even people who we we love and trust. And so I created this podcast just to be a safe space to talk about those things. And I do believe that this journey, this search I'm talking about, is something that is a very time-honored tradition. People have been on this sort of journey from the beginning of time, and people go on pilgrimages, they ask questions, they wrestle, they seek wisdom. You know, maybe they climb a mountain in Tibet and look for, you know, a wise man or listen to all sorts of holy religious leaders or search the depths of science and theology, philosophy, psychology. It's a time-honored tradition. And yet I think that in today's day and age, it's gotten pretty hard to feel comfortable talking about these kind of questions, the deeper questions of life with people in real life, face to face. And I don't know all the reason that that is, but I think that some of the reason is that there can be a lot of fear when we enter into these deeper waters, these deeper questions, because Everything that we say, every word that we might choose to use, can come preloaded with all sorts of baggage. So I know, for example, there are many people who they would love to dig into questions like this and listen and think and wrestle. But anything that speaks of, you know, an an organized religious belief or church or dogma or anything like that is simply unattractive because... It's almost as if as soon as you enter that realm with those words and that language, you might feel locked in to a certain way of thinking and, and that you can't get out of that, or you might get trapped or or even offend somebody or be offended yourself. There's just a lot of bag- baggage that can come with certain words, certain labels, certain categories. And I, I think it's, we need words, we need images. We need language and categories and labels to communicate at all. We need to try to clarify 
as we think. I don't know any other way to think without words. But at the same time, it's a double-edged sword because the words themselves can become so crystallized and calcified or just accompanied by so much baggage that mean things beyond what the simple words mean or connotations that we bristle at and want to shy away from, that the words themselves can be problematic or scary. And so it just can become a very fear-filled adventure or journey to figure out who can I talk to about these things? What words should I use? What words should I not use? What realms and channels are open to me to explore and which ones are not? And I think that I don't have the answers to that exactly, but I've been in different positions of this search. I've been in a place where I had no particular beliefs, but I was open and searching. I've also definitely been of, you know, had beliefs religiously and been part of a church and all of that. And in both cases, it wasn't obvious still in either case, it wasn't obvious who to go to to have these sorts of conversations where maybe I do want to use the imagery and language that I associate with religion. And maybe I also want to be able to use language and images and words that aren't necessarily from the domain of religion, but help me think and help me search for wisdom. And is that even possible? Well, I stumbled across this word recently that I wasn't very aware of, this phrase called liminal space. Some of you may have heard of it. Liminal space or liminal figure, one place that liminal figures come to play is in literature. So if you have a character, a hero of a story or a main character who is sort of between two worlds, between two states or camps or countries or lands, and they don't exactly belong to one, but they also don't exactly belong to another. They're sort of in between. They kind of belong to each, but don't really belong to either one. That's a liminal figure who is in a liminal space between two worlds. So examples of this might be someone who is going through a rite of initiation from childhood to adulthood, and they are in the process of going through the initiation. So they're not before the initiation, they're not after initiation and an adult, they're right in the middle of this mode of becoming. Or you might think of someone who has left their homeland and moved to a new land and they've lived there for a while and, and now they no longer quite fit in where they came from, but they also might feel like an outsider, be treated like an outsider in the place that they went to. And I could multiply a lot of examples. There's there's plenty of them. You think about most great stories probably have some sort of liminal figure, even like a Cinderella who, on one hand, she's the mistreated daughter in the household who does all the dirty work. And on the other hand, is she a princess? You know, at some point she gets treated like a princess and there's this glimpse of another life, but she isn't fully one or the other. She's in this mode of which one is she going to be? And so this can be true for us too. We can be caught between worlds or feel like I don't really have a home. I don't have a camp. I'm not completely at home over here with these people. I'm not completely at home over here with those people either. And so I share that because it relates directly to what I was just talking about, which is in our search for wisdom, we can feel like, well, there's the belief category where there's official beliefs and dogma. And if if I set one foot in there, I'm locked into everything. And then there's just the complete lack of belief on the other hand, where you have just 
a minimum or even no transcendent beliefs in anything bigger than simply the stuff of life, the raw materials of life. And I think that's a false dilemma that we get caught in that can be very difficult to navigate, but leaves a lot of people feeling homeless, peopleless, and that's a very tension-filled feeling because we are social creatures. There's no question about it. We need we need a people to be with us, to be a part of. We need that, and we sense it deeply when we feel that we don't have it. So maybe there's something unavoidable about this liminal space idea that maybe it's not so bad to feel like, where is my people and where do I land and what category am I in? In fact, I heard that some people consider that in most major religions, there are liminal figures even within the religion. So if you think of the prophets uh, from the biblical scriptures, from the Christian and Jewish scriptures, these are people who are often pretty far outside the institutional leadership and the institutions itself of the religion. And yet they're so deeply connected to the actual roots of the religion, of the beliefs, that they are speaking the truth at times in a way that is desperately needed and so in tune with the actual core and seeds of that religion that they look like outsiders. They feel like outsiders. So they're in this liminal space. They're liminal figures. Even Jesus himself has been pointed to as someone who, if you think about it, very, very religious, and yet at the same time, completely on the outside of the religious institutions of his day. And so in some ways, he was a misfit and it would be hard to just shove him into one or the other category of religious guy in with the religious people or non-religious guy only at home with the non-religious people. He, in many ways, didn't really fall into those categories very neatly. So there's this idea of liminal space. And I give you that word because I detect, I sense that there are many people now even who, and maybe this is you, are in this liminal space that you yourselves might identify with this idea of being a liminal figure. And that's some of what this podcast is meant to be about. Because we're going to use words. We can't get away thinking and talking without using words. But I want to be sensitive to the fact that words, as much as they're helpful, can also become traps and obstacles. And so, to the extent that it's helpful, can we sometimes relax our sensibilities about labels and categories? Can we explore those realms where things aren't so clear? Maybe they're a little fuzzy. Can we feel free to be completely outside the domain of religious belief and use thoughtfulness, reflection, experience, lived wisdom, but also feel free to use the language and imagery that we receive from existing religious ideas? Is it possible to do that and navigate it in a way that we avoid those landmines or what feels like landmines out there in the search for truth? Can we do that well? Can we do that and still truly journey and wrestle and look for answers to those deep questions? What is the meaning of life? What am I supposed to be aiming at? What should I prioritize most highly? What should I keep 
in my frame, like right in the center of my frame? And conversely, what can I let go of? What maybe isn't so important? Can I land somewhere that I feel like this will help me live my life with clarity, with purpose, with meaning? And that raises a question, which is where does that sort of wisdom come from? Where does that sort of wisdom for life come from? Who does it come from? What does it look like and sound like? Can we detect when we're getting it, when we're on the right track, when we're hearing it, when we're finding it? And I want to tell you a story because the answers to those questions, I think, are more interesting than we think that they are. I don't know if you've, you've even asked yourself those questions, but I have and I've wrestled with it. And in this search, I'd love to be able to know when is wisdom coming my way? How do I know when I'm finding it? And I think there's this mystery involved in that search where on one hand, I think it's quite noble and, and I would even see, say sacred to search and to wrestle for wisdom for the answers to those deeper questions. It's sacred. It's an honorable journey and an honorable labor that you can do. And yet at the same time, it's not something that we can completely control. Like so much of life, there's an R part and a, and a, it's not really originating from us part as well. So if you think about a powerful river, you can get in that river, you can swim, you can float, you can go with the stream, you can go upstream, but you are not the source of the river. You are at best in that river. And I would say the same thing comes to wisdom and our pursuit of wisdom. There's an aspect. It's how do I know where it's going to come from? I, I've got to search. I've got to work. And yet I'm not in control. I do not create wisdom. I want to prep. I want to search. And then I want to be open. I want to listen. I want to be still. I want to create some space. There's even mystery with who do you listen to? Who do you listen to for truth, for wisdom? It's interesting because however you might answer that consciously, that's one answer. But more interesting answer is, who do you end up listening to? Because that's not always a conscious decision that, I, that you make. You, if you're like me, you find yourself listening to people, listening to voices. And there's something in what they are saying and doing. And there's something inside of you. And those two things are reaching out for connection together. But it's not something that you can just encode into a checklist and put on your clipboard and say, Yep, this person has these credentials, they're saying these things, therefore I'm going to listen to them. It's, it's actually a lot more mysterious than that. Where does wisdom come from? And so I want to share this story with you because it's a story of someone that I found myself listening to and trusting at a deep cellular level that I never would have foreseen, that I never would have guessed. And it doesn't even make a ton of sense. So to set the stage, this was many, many years ago, but I was entering a basketball game. The game had not started. I was just taking my seats in the stands. Stands were full and uh, sat down with some people that I knew well and saw some other people that I knew across the stands. Before the game, there was to be a national anthem and a young man walked to 
center court where he was going to sing the national anthem, had a microphone, and bizarrely enough, he had a beer in his hand and a cigarette. Kind of a scraggly looking guy, real thin, a teenager, and looked very shy, not confident, looked like maybe he didn't even want to be there, but he was the one who was going to sing the national anthem. So the music started playing. He began to sing, but his voice was cracking. He could not get the words out. He was breaking up. And so he stopped the national anthem, tried again, restarted the music. He tried again and got caught up around the same place. His voice was cracking and breaking and he just couldn't get through the words. Tried it one more time, couldn't get through it and stopped again. At that point, he clearly changed his mind about what he was going to do. And you could see the intensity of what he was thinking and feeling. He began to just, instead of sing to the crowd, the national anthem, he just began to talk to us. And the things he was sharing, I can't remember all the details, but it was, it was very intense. It was very pointed. In a sense, even though he was talking to the whole group, it was very personal. And while I don't remember everything that he said, I remember it hit home so deeply. At one point, he was looking directly at us and he said, you're going to have to be carved out. And somehow I knew what he meant, even though that he didn't explain it in great detail verbally. I knew that what he meant was I was going to have to be changed at a fundamental level, transformed, that I was going to have to let go of things that were not good, that were holding me back, and let them be carved out of me, and for good things to be added, and for the bad to be replaced with the good. And I didn't even know what all that meant. I just knew that it was deeply and fundamentally true. And if you haven't figured out by now, this was actually in a dream. But I remember it vividly as if it happened, you know, a few days ago. I woke up, tears were streaming down my face. I fell purposefully um, face down on the ground, just filled with a sense of intensity, profundity, I don't know exactly the right words, awe maybe, that was a time in my life where I made key decisions that were really life-changing. And that dream was right at the centerpiece of those decisions and that life change. And I don't know that I've ever had a single moment where I trusted what somebody was saying so deeply. And this might seem weird because, well, it's a dream, right? I mean, how much stock do you put in your dreams? Most of my dreams, I don't, I don't read a lot into. But this one, just there was something quite different about it. And I don't even understand the depths of how dreams work. I don't even know what language or category I would put this dream experience in. I mean, is it possible this was just my own subconscious bubbling things up to my, you know, conscious mind? Very possibly so. Is it possible that this was a way of wisdom coming into my life from somewhere else, you know, from God or God's spirit or whatever other language you want to try to put to that? I'm 
open to that. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I could say definitively if it was one or the other of those things or both even at the same time. I'm actually open to many different interpretations of that. But one thing I can take away with, take away from that experience is how wisdom comes to us has some mystery in it. Whose voice I listen to has some mystery in it. In this case, is it coming from inside me? Yes. Is it coming from outside me? I think so too. Is it using the language of religion? Somewhat it was, but not totally. And it didn't really matter. The truth was, I was going to need to change. And I knew that was reality. I knew that was wisdom. I trusted it. I trusted it deeply. I had been prepping and searching and wrestling. And that part was initiated or participated in by me. And yet there was this aspect of the wisdom that I was having to just receive. Like that river that has a source. And to be aware that I'm not the source. I'm in the stream, but I'm not the source. There's so much more there, but I wanted to share that because it was a key part of my journey, my pilgrimage, my search. And I think that that search is a sacred thing. That journey is honorable. And you, the one who is on that search and on that journey, You are to be honored, and you yourself are sacred. And that's at the heart of what this podcast is to be about. We want to wrestle with what is the meaning of life? What should I focus on? What should I be aiming at? These are questions that everybody has to answer, even if you don't answer it philosophically or in words You are answering it every day with the choices you make, with the actions that you take. Everybody is answering that question. What am I to aim at? But as we do it, we want to treat the search itself with the sacredness, with the honor that it deserves. And yet, We're going to hold our our thoughts and our processes loosely because we know, we sense that we are not the source of wisdom. We want to be in that stream. We want to be swimming in it. And yet we are not the source. That's going to be it for episode one of The Willing Fool. Please come back. We're going to have so many cool things to talk about. I hope that you'll enjoy the journey. Enjoy the ride, participate, walk with me on this pilgrimage, on this journey. Thanks so much. That's it for episode one. See you next time.